0: Hi, Tim.
1: Hey, Ash. Welcome back to Breaking the Fourth Wall, where we engage in stimulating conversations about ways that we can promote positive change in musical theater
0: welcome back everyone. Thank you so much for joining us every single week for these weekly conversations. If you look forward to hearing us every single Monday morning or whenever you are able to listen to our episodes, we would really appreciate it if you could take just a few seconds to leave a review, give us some stars, and let us know what your thoughts are, what you like about our podcast, what you would like more of, what you would like less of. We really want this to be for you and about you. So please let us know by leaving a comment on the review or giving us some stars. We would greatly appreciate it.
1: And also remember, this is a conversation that we want to have with all of our listeners. So yeah, feel free to leave us any messages.
0: We wanted to let you know that we do now have transcripts available on our website and the link is going to be in the show notes for you. So if you know anyone that wants to read the episode or you want to share the text format, we are now transcribing every single episode just check our website the link will be in the show notes what puzzler do you have for us this week Tim?
1: All right. so this week who was the first to win the Grammy for best musical theater album and a little bonus for you all if you can guess the year that the first Grammy for best musical theater album came out good question yeah We'll come back around at the end of this episode and we'll uh, discover that answer together. So what's in the news?
0: We all know that MTI, or Musical Theater International, who does the rights for most all of the musicals, that they do a junior version For middle school and high school students of Mm -hmm. musicals, shorter, um, less content. And now they have been doing, since the past year or so, they've been doing a senior version. So you can get a version adapted of Broadway musicals Wow, that is specifically for seniors to perform. And there is a production um, of Fiddler on the Roof in New York City about to um, be presented. That is all by senior citizens.
1: And you know what's great about this experience for our senior citizen performers? Uh, Studies have shown that taking on characters and working on lines and studying and preparing for a role actually helps with your cognitive ability in your older age. And I think this is a really great opportunity for senior citizens to have the opportunity not only to keep their minds sharp, but also uh, perform and have an opportunity to see themselves in roles.
0: And I look forward to when we are of a mature age and we are performing in musicals, you and I. That's right. That would be really exciting. I would we would totally be like the directors of our like senior establishment. We're
1: going to be like some senior citizen center directing everybody around yes. and telling them what to do and be like, "Oh, you go over there and you go over there" and then yeah.
0: I can't wait. That's going to be so fun. <laughs> Put it on our to-do list after we retire. Yes. And then the Grammy Awards just announced the nominees for Best Musical Theater Album. Are you ready to know who's nominated for Best Musical Theater Album?
1: Yes, I'm very excited to find out.
0: So the nominees are Oklahoma, The Music of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child in four contemporary suites, Moulin Rouge, the musical, Town. And ain't too proud. The life and times of the Temptations.
1: What an exciting lineup for the Grammys!
0: They are going to be. Um, they're taking place in L.A. at the Staples Center on January twenty sixth, and it's going to be broadcast as well. So we'll have to take a look and listen and
1: see who wins. Yeah, we'll be checking in, and we'll get back to you when we have an answer as to who wins uh, after the Grammys have concluded.
0: I started to think, Tim. How do we advocate for? Effective collaboration and communication within our creative teams. Now I know that you and I have both been directing and you specifically have just finished directing Bright Star. They Mm -hmm. opened this past week and you have one more week left. That's right. And it was completely sold out. And I know that you work very well with your collaborative team. And I wanted to find out what factors do you think go into not only working with a creative team, but working as a collaborative effort to create this fully realized production that the audience sees?
1: This is a fantastic question. And for me as a director, the first place that this journey begins, this collaborative journey with the design team begins, is in those individual meetings that you have. And I know early in the process for, say, Bright Star or what's coming up uh, for Chorus Line in the spring, the first thing that I do is I meet individually with every single designer, right? We spend an hour, two hours, allowing me to convey my concept for the show, painting as detailed and a clearest picture for each designer so they have a springboard for which to begin developing their concept and term. And so I think it's really important that Collaboration and communication are always in check when it comes to your, your design team because it's very easy once everyone gets super busy to move into their own arenas and then begin creating without checking back in to make sure that the director's vision is being met.
0: And I think many times people get the idea that the director is the end-all be-all. And
1: And that's not the case. That's not
0: the case. There is someone that has to say, you know, jump on. This is the path we're going down. Jump on board. This is what I always teach to to my students. Mm -hmm. And I know you do as well in directing. Jump on board. This is the road that we're going down. And let's all work together to make that road the best it can be. But once we start going on these other paths, it starts to not work as a collaboration. That's right. Now, do you think that everyone does that, everyone takes that step, that same
1: step? Well, I think this can be evidenced in many productions we've seen, both nationally and regionally. I think there's there are shows that we have watched where it's very evident that the director, the scenic designer was off doing their own thing, where the director was doing their own thing and the you know lighting technician was kind of doing their own thing and they happened to show up at tech and it was kind of like, let's cross our <laughs> fingers and let's see what happens when the lights turn on and the set comes together and the cast is on stage. Yeah. And I think that's a really scary place to be. I know as a director, I want to go into the technical process already knowing 85% of what the lighting designer has envisioned for the show. And of course, that last 15% is the magic that happens when we marry all of the design elements. But I know with my creative teams in the past or that I'm currently or will be working with, I believe in my heart that I have given them the vision. Cl- I painted that picture clearly enough that they will walk uh, into tech. We will all walk into tech feeling like we are all on the same page. And I feel like there are times when when that hasn't happened and it's very evident uh, that all the design elements are functioning independently.
0: What I think is really challenging and right now, the past year or so, I've been working with many of the MFA students that are in one of my classes that are um, stage managers, lighting designers, scene designers, costume designers, um, musical directors. And the conversations that we have are very valuable Mm -hmm. because being able to feel respected as a design mm-hmm. as a designer within the creative team i think of something that often is a challenge
1: i agree and also it's important to remember that for us many of the designers academically that we're working with are students or going through their master's degree or we uh, you know at Fullerton, we create an experience where we foster uh, student designers and mentor them and oftentimes they need to be. It needs to be reinforced that whatever they create is there to enhance the overall concept and the vision, as opposed to be its own entity within the show.
0: And I think in the academic world, absolutely. In in the professional world, I think that's where I'm going. Is in the okay. professional world, it it's not challenging for you and I. But mm-hmm. the feedback that I get from many other designers, they come in and they work with us. And the first thing when we start having meetings and 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 I ask their opinions and. I ask for their feedback. This is where I want to go. Tell me your... Take some time and then tell me your thoughts. Tell me what you think. It's, it's very n- not normal to people that I have worked with. Right. And I don't want to say not normal. It is surprising to them mm-hmm. because most of the time they are told, I want this, 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 and this. And it's not... They're not given their creative side. And I think that's where I want What I want to talk about. Yeah, The creative design, the designers, the stage managers, that side of the table is often... I don't even what's the word I'm looking for? That side of the table is often discouraged for having their own thoughts,
1: for okay, having yeah. their
0: own um their own opinions mm-hmm. and for having their own part of the show.
1: I think a way a, a great way to kind of encapsulate what you're trying to say is that in the, oftentimes in regional theater, they are looked at like a technician and nothing else. They're not Absolutely. an artist. They're not a designer. They are someone that is coming in and basically laying lights down, a lighting plot down, or installing a, a Broadway touring set. And the art is getting lost in that process. And oftentimes there is a culture where uh, these designers come in and they have such little time to actually create anything, or um, the director or the artistic director hasn't given them the opportunity to be artists.
0: I absolutely agree with you, and so I wanted to have this conversation because I feel like the the those those of you that are designers, it's almost like this class system has been created mm-hmm. that you are you know especially if you're female. I hear this all the time. There's this amazing Facebook um group that I'm a part of for female artists. Mm-hmm. And I hear this quite often. How do I stand up to someone when they look at me and they say, Oh, you're the light where where um when when does the he, the lighting sider, get here?
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: where is the lighting guy? Isn't
1: that interesting that there's always an assumption that it's a male that's gonna be coming in the room and designing any aspect of your production?
0: Because ninety percent of the time it is it is. Yeah. And that's why I we I know both of us always make a point to hire more females Mm -hmm. and more people from a diverse background. So what are the factors that we can talk about, that we can advocate for to not allow that to happen?
1: I think creating a, a, a systematic culture of collaboration from the start regarding your rehearsal process and your production design process. So obviously production meetings shouldn't just be, okay, here's the agenda, here's what we're getting done. But it's also an opportunity for the entire creative team to get in the room with the director, with the production manager, stage management, and actually suss out the some of the concerns that some people may have individually and then get in the room and say, I have this, uh, maybe the costume designer says, I have questions about this particular scene. And there the director is to speak aloud and tell communicate you know their vision for the entire design team around the table and I think that's a really important thing that consistent production meetings are taking place in the rehearsal process Uh, also specificity of the directorial concept I think it does no one any good when a director is vague with their vision for the show uh, sorry I didn't mean to cut you off there no by all means what I was saying was so often directors are saying oh you know I want this feel And oftentimes designers are like, no, tell me what you need and want. Right. I see blues. I see this kind of texture. uh, I want this kind of mood, uh, you know, evoked from this particular scene. Mm -hmm. Now you're starting to communicate in a language that designers can understand versus, you know, posing them questions. Well, how do you feel it should be? Right. And that's the last thing they want to hear.
0: Absolutely. And I think what often happens is that when the designers bring Ideas to the table. It's often looked at in a negative light, Mm -hmm. and that is their job to bring ideas to the table. And I think we can all see when the designers have done a great job, and then it just doesn't work. It just doesn't mesh. And really, that falls on the director. That's why that being a director is one of the most challenging. It's not more challenging than anything else, but Mm -hmm. it is challenging because you have to be everything to everyone and you have to know how to communicate Mm -hmm. and so i think communication is such a, a large factor to being able to know how to speak to a lighting designer to know how to speak to a scenic designer like i learned so much working with my last um lighting designer because she was able to tell me, this helps me, this works for me. And you create that relationship. Yep. And even working, I've worked with Kristen Campbell, uh, like every show that I've done the past couple of years. Shout out to Kristen. (laughs) Yay, Kristen. (laughs) For the last couple of years, who's now a professor at Chapman. And we have such a good relationship that I know where she's going. She knows where I'm going. And creating that relationship is very, very important. And that trust. And I think if... The director is not able to say, this is where we're going and bringing everybody on board and being able to say, that doesn't fit in this puzzle here. Can mm-hmm. we adjust that? Because like you said, like like projections, if you if we don't adjust that, it's not going to get an overall look. It's about everybody working together.
1: Now, let me pose you a question just to kind of open up a larger conversation. Dun,
0: dun, dun. No, it's not <laughs> a bad thing at all. Um,
1: what happens when you arrive in tech and you are the director and... The uh, you have a strong feeling that the designer you're hoping that the designer team has has their a game on and they're ready to go into tech and they have a clear understanding of what your vision for the show is from a visual perspective. What happens when you see elements that are going counter to what your concept is? How do you address that in a professional manner during the technical process with uh, your designer?
0: Great question. Not only not only professional, but in a positive mm-hmm. manner. Manner, just like we talk about it on this podcast. Right. If you just yell at somebody, they're going to turn the other way, and everything's going to close down. And we've all had that moment, right? Mm-hmm. We've all had the moment. We're all just we we snap, and it, it happens. Yes. But being able to come back and say, "I'm sorry," I we all know that tech gets to all of us in different ways. <laughs> well, tech, t-
1: the tech process is a very stressful experience because we're trying to do a million things at a million different times. And I totally get that.
0: Yes. And I've had the situation happen. And I think it's just bringing it down. But I think the, the twofold for your question. The first is, I know we both work this way because we're so similar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, would, I will know before we go into tech that, everyone's in the same path right because i've had those conversations i've checked in one-on-one i've done video conferences i've we've we've talked about everything when we go into tech we should both know me and each designer what's happening Mm -hmm. and as a team we should go into tech knowing what's going to happen i don't like surprises (laughs) so i i i make the best way for that not to happen is to have all the work done before you go into tech. Go into tech, I want it to be smooth, I want everything to be prepared, I do not want surprises. Yes. So that would fix that first problem. That is solution number one, okay. be prepared before going <laughs> into tech. Of course. Now when you go into tech and things do happen, and you're like, oh, didn't know that was going to happen. I think it depends on the scope of, is it really gonna make that big of a difference? Or is it something that I really, I have to have a discussion about?
1: Right. And I I think it's important to ask yourself what battles are worth fighting in the technical process.
0: Yes. And on both ends, not just as the director, but as the designer, as um, the stage manager, as the musical director.
1: Let's just say, for example, you know, you're you're in the middle of your tech rehearsal and you see a... Uh, you see a lighting cue that kind of goes counter to what you envisioned. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, do you approach the lighting designer and say, you know, hey, can we have a discussion about this particular moment? Let's look at, is it possible to look at a couple different colors or textures in this particular moment to further enhance what I'm going for? Uh, I think that's a positive way to approach the situation.
0: Yes. I think it also depends on Is it, do you have the time? Mm -hmm. Is it absolutely necessary? Is it just bothering you because it's not exactly what you had in your mind? When we're in technical rehearsals and doing cue to cue, I'm very close to the table so I can speak to like, for example, I work with Martha Carter. The past few shows I've done, shout out to Martha. Mm -hmm. Hey, and she is so brilliant and easy with my experience to work with her, because I can turn around and say, Hey, I've got, I I see what you're doing, but I need this. I need that feel. I need this mood. I, this is what I'm trying to get out of the moment with my actors. And she's like, yeah, yeah, got it, got it, got it. Give me a second. Give me a second.
1: And I think that that works just like your choreographer, right? And your musical director, everyone's in in tandem working with Synergy uh, and completely and entirely understands your vision.
0: And when you have that feeling, the people that you're working with in the room that are able to say, "Okay, this is not going to work with what we're doing. And that's on my end as well. Mm -hmm. I had something staged. And Martha, when we were directing, we were doing um, uh, American Idiot. And she we were doing uh, one of the songs, one of the numbers. And she was like, I can't I just I could we couldn't get what we wanted out of as a team and she said, I can really, she uses these wonderful words that I don't know because I'm not lying. It's like, I can really like craft and, and shape and, and and do all these cool things if you utilize this part of the set more on this moment. Yep. And I said, oh my gosh, give me, give me 10 minutes. And I went, went back and I didn't change anything other than where they were standing. And then she was able to light
1: that and it was Amazing. And so often I think that's part of the marriage of the relationship between yes. director and design team is that when you get in tech, you're like, you know what, I had the staged a particular way, but now I'm seeing the composition in a unique way, perspective that I hadn't thought of before. Yes. So let me, the director, adjust my staging to marry your lighting concept because I think once both of them find uh, middle ground, it's going to be absolutely spectacular.
0: Yes. And if you have that time to make just that adjustment – and the actors are cool with just making that transition. It's not going to change or affect anything else they're doing. The whole visual aspect of that number was so brilliant. And mm-hmm. that was just by collaborating, both of us going, there's something just not working. What can we do? Because you don't have the set with all the layers and all the catwalks right. and every, you don't, ha- you can't see all of that. And that was just the one number that we really adjusted And that is exactly why collaboration is so important. That's right. So being able to be in a positive mindset and to work with everybody else, but having the director say, this is the path we're going, let's jump on board and let's all create this together.
1: Exactly. That's right. And treating your design team as equals and giving them the respect as artists that they deserve.
0: Absolutely. Because if it wasn't for them... You'd be in a blank
1: space rehearsing somewhere in a a warehouse in L.A.
0: Yeah, on a flat stage with no lights. No sound. No sound.
1: No projection. (laughs) No nothing. Yes, and no costumes. So thank your design team every single time you have an opportunity.
0: That's so nice, Tim. (laughs) If you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with your friends. Take a snapshot or a screenshot of this episode and post it. On social media so that we can reach all of the people that want and need to be a part of these conversations. And these
1: are really important conversations that are being had that oftentimes get shoveled into the wings and so we want to open up our audience to a larger spectrum so that we can all engage in these important conversations that we're having on a weekly basis.
0: What are we going out to today Tim? Okay
1: well let's backtrack to the puzzler.
0: Oh you are correct.
1: Can't miss out on the puzzler. We so can't miss
0: out on the puzzler. Who
1: was the first to win the Grammy for best musical theater album and our bonus was what year was the first one ever won?
0: Hit me with what year because I do not know this
1: 1959 so if that narrows it down, what musical do you think right around that time would have won best musical theater album?
0: Uh for the Grammys oh gosh that's a good question it could be so many ways
1: oh you got trouble
0: oh no right
1: here in river city
0: oh geez
1: <laughs> so yes <laughs> the it music is. man oh, that was i'm sorry that i apologize to all my audience that was super cheesy like outro but i had to go You're there so, cheesy. so the music it. man meredith wilson <laughs> uh, was the first to win the grammy for best musical theater album for his production of the music man
0: And now who is taking us out today?
1: All right, so we're going to leave you with a little clip. Uh, Since we've been talking about all these wonderful designers, I want to leave you with a little clip of Laura Jelnick, who is the scenic designer for The Revival of Oklahoma. And she's going to talk a little bit about her experience and her concept and her vision for The Revival production of Oklahoma. And we'll leave you with that. Have a wonderful week, everyone. You can break the set down pretty easily into its elements, right? It's like the plywood container. And then the mural and the guns, I think of as a pair, and then the fringe above. The point was this is the place where there are guns and there's violence and there's danger and it became really important that it had to feel like too many guns. So getting to the number and the placement of it being an uncomfortable number.